0: Welcome to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. If something has been eating at you or eating at your gut, then I have good news for you. The Specific Carbohydrate Diet, also known as the SCD, has helped countless people with a wide variety of health issues improve their quality of life. It's also a great way to eat if you just want to go grain-free or stay away from processed foods. Here, you'll find interviews with SCD experts, as well as everyday people who actively follow the program, and you'll get tips to help you enjoy living the SCD, including resources, recipes, and more. I'm your host, Lee Bernstein. I live with gut issues. I live with autoimmune issues. And after trying many nutrition protocols, I found that the SCD is what works for me. If that's the same for you, or if you're looking to find out if it is, then let's enjoy living SCD together. I'm not an expert, I'm not a doctor, nothing on this show is ever medical advice. I'm just someone who's thankful that the specific carbohydrate diet works. I'm thankful that it's given me my life back, and I'm especially thankful and excited about being here with you today. So if you're ready, let's begin. Welcome back to the SCD Specific Carbohydrate Diet Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to, drumroll, New York Times bestselling author, Jen Stevens. She's going to discuss intermittent fasting. She's going to discuss the positive effects it can have on gut health and overall health. Now, before you listen to the podcast today, please know that intermittent fasting doesn't mean you have to be a major faster. It just means maybe delaying a meal by a few hours. It's really whatever works best for you. We're going to discuss that in the podcast today. A lot of you don't need an introduction to Jen. You already know her from her books, Delay Don't Deny. And then her second book on intermittent fasting, Fast Feast, Repeat, which if you're going to read one of those two books first, start with Fast, Feast, Repeat. That one has the most current information and then read the other because they're both wonderful reads. She also has a new book out this year. It's called Cleanish, Eat Mostly Clean, Live Mainly Clean, and Unlock Your Body's Natural Ability to Self-Clean. We're going to talk about all of those today. Let's get started. Hi, Jen. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I love coming on to podcasts, chatting with friends, talking about intermittent fasting. (laughs) (laughs) I love talking about intermittent fasting too. And that's going to be a majority of what we're going to do today. Uh, I've said this in the introduction, but Jen is the author of Fast Feast Repeat, a book that you absolutely have to read if you haven't yet. I can promise you that once we're done with this interview, you're going to want to. And now her latest book is Cleanish, and we're going to be talking about that as well. But before we get started, I owe you a big debt of thanks for a number of reasons. One is this podcast. When I decided to launch it, having been and still am a huge fan of your podcast, and we'll talk about that, I reached out to you and asked you if you might mm-hmm. coach me a little bit in what to do to get started. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, said, I remember yes. chatting
1: with you on the phone. Oh. oh, I love to do it though. See, I'm a teacher. You are, a teacher. <laughs> and I love to teach people how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I love also. You know, I was a gifted teacher. I have a um, doctorate in gifted education, and with gifted education, we teach people how to do things so they can go do them. <laughs> and that is- so I was so glad to help you with it. I, I love to get people started with podcasts because it's, you know the the way technology exists these days, we ha-
0: we can get our voice out there.-hmm. We sure can. And thank you for mm-hmm. thank you so much for. So everybody, if you enjoy the podcast, thank thank Jen. <laughs> she had a lot to do with it. <laughs> well, now, I'm so glad. Another thing I want to thank you for is guiding me in helping with my health. Uh, I found you in 2018. Now, your first book, Delay, Don't Deny, was right. released in 2017, 2016? It
1: came out December 31st of 2016. Okay. So like a couple people got it on December, 20, yeah, December 31st, but May, 2017 really is when it, it hit.
0: Okay. And I was really suffering... The specific carbohydrate diet took me a very long way in helping my intestinal tract improve and my autoimmune issues improve and a myriad of other things improve. However, I was still having problems. One of those problems was an excessively low white cell count and a very low neutrophil count. Uh, one doctor told me that my neutrophils were lower than most cancer patients that have been on, wow, you know, radiation chemotherapy. Very serious. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that affects your ability to ward off disease. And for me, it was very scary. Now, this was before COVID. And thank goodness I learned what I did before then because after Deciding to try intermittent fasting, so much improved in my health. And th- this isn't about me today, so I'm not going to bore everyone with that. But I will tell you that despite being told that I would never be able to raise my neutrophil count, it's now in a normal range. That's amazing. Yes. and That really is. When and you're crediting that to intermittent fasting. Absolutely to intermittent fasting mm-hmm. because I was trying other growth hormone Protocols and I was trying so many things in desperation to better my body. And then I read you and I listened to you. And you always say, and I agree with it completely this is a great way to improve your health. And oh, by the way, one of the side effects, if you want it, may be weight loss. But for me, it was all about the health. Now, I did need to lose a few pounds and slowly I did. Actually, it was more than a few. But um, a lot of people do not need to lose weight that listen to this podcast. Some of them are having a hard time gaining weight. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start by defining what intermittent fasting is and then maybe talk about who should not try intermittent fasting.
1: All right. First of all, you know there are there are different ways you can do intermittent fasting. When most people think of it, they think of it through the lens of time-restricted eating. Time-restricted eating is the you know the scientific term for when you have an eating window every day. And so I I do time-restricted eating. So every day I eat. You know people hear the word fasting and they're like, "Okay, you're going like 40 days and 40 nights or whatever or weeks." No. <laughs> I eat every single day, but I concentrate all of my eating into a an eating window, a period of the day. That's my time restricted eating, and so I um I eat well. I nourish my body. I I eat probably a lot more nutrients now than I did back in the day when I was obese because I was obese. I weighed two hundred and ten pounds. That on a five foot five body, that was definitely in the obese category. But so I, I wake up in the morning and I'm. You know, we all wake up in the morning in the fasted state, and most people in the world have breakfast first thing in the morning. And if you look at that word, break fast, because we've been fasting. So for those of us who do time-restricted eating um, for intermittent fasting, we just wait longer to break our fast. We have break fast at at a different time of the day than morning. (laughs) Although some people do have their eating window in the morning. Um, So basically during the part of the day when you're not eating, you're fasting and you fast clean. So you stick to Plain water, black coffee, plain tea. Um, you can have sparkling water, nothing added, no flavors. And then, when you're ready to eat, you open your eating window. Have all of your food for the day inside of that eating window. Then you close your window and you repeat that. You know, the title of my book was "Fast Feast Repeat." That's really, it's it's as simple as that. <laughs> now it's really not that simple because obviously, the other than that, I would just have the title. All right, everybody, fast feast repeat. Go. <laughs> It was a very short book. You know. <laughs> In between there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff. <laughs> but you, you a lot of stuff. You you asked a question. I'll I'll answer right now. Who should not fast? If someone is overweight, I'm not overweight. If someone is underweight and um doesn't have sufficient fat stores on the body then you need to really think about what you're doing more so. So underweight if you're underweight you have to be really careful with fasting because you don't have, you know, the fat that your body's going to feast on during your fast. Um also if you're pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, or if you're a kid, you should not do fasting until you've gone through puberty and your body is mature enough for that because you know you're growing when you're, you know, before you get to adulthood, you need to nourish your body. So other than that, intermittent fasting is is really a great way to live it's you know I always say like you referred to it's the health plan with the side effect of weight loss and I genuinely believe that other than the people that I just mentioned also someone with with eating disorders if if intermittent fasting exacerbates your eating disorder other than that um I, I think every adult human <laughs> should you know could should Think about how, you know, how much of the day are you eating? How much of the day are you not eating? Because we're not designed to be in the fed state from the moment our eyes open to the moment our eyes close at night. It's, it's not good for us. You can look around and see we're, we're not in better health these days and people are eating all the time. So we're not meant to be in the fed state all the time. We're meant to be metabolically flexible. And intermittent fasting allows us to do that. We can shift our fuel sources as needed um, during the day. When you eat, you're in the fed state. That's your fuel source. When you're fasting, your body fat, there's your fuel source. You're making ketones and fueling your brain very well with that. And so that metabolic flexibility, I believe, is how we're all meant to be. You know, when babies are born, they're metabolically flexible. And (laughs) then they that you know, we feed them at regular meal times and they are get used to just being in the fed state all when they're children and they're all throughout adulthood. And then we lose that metabolic flexibility, but we can get it back.
0: And of course, b- back in earlier times, man had to be metabolically flexible. There wasn't Absolutely. food available 24 seven and our bodies yep. were designed to be able to help us survive and being able to go into a fasted state, even though it wasn't intentional. Well, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, For the the people who are like in the fed state all the time, you know, not metabolically flexible, not fat adapted, most people who have never done fasting would fall into that category. And so if you've ever been, you know, hangry, someone who's never done intermittent fasting, you, if you go a couple hours and you're hangry and you're starving and you're like, ah, that's a sign that you're not metabolically flexible. Your body doesn't know where to go for fuel, so it screams at you to feed it. Your brain is not well fueled. Your body's not well fueled. And so think about back what you were talking about, you know, ancient man who needed to go hunting because he needed some food. Is he going to be sitting around lethargic and hangry? No, he needs to have mental, you know, clarity to go out and he needs to be able to chase down whatever it is he's hunting. And so our bodies need to be able to have great endurance, even in the absence of the fed state. And and that's that's where that metabolic flexibility comes in.
0: And also um a benefit for a lot of us that don't know how to not how to stop eating. One thing that mm-hmm. happened with me, and I've never had this my entire life, is I would eat a meal and all of a sudden my body was like, Whoop, you've had enough. You don't want any more, you don't true. need any more. It's a, it's like a miracle. <laughs> It really is. Dr. Bert
1: Hearing, um, he was one of the first authors I read about intermittent fasting way back in the day um, when I was obese and trying to figure out how to lose weight. And he um, coined a phrase called appetite correction. And I love it. So I always credit that to Dr. Bert Hearing. But it's basically, again, back to the babies when they're born. You know, I had, had two, well, I still have two kids. I have two sons. And when they were babies, when they had had enough to eat, they stopped eating. hmm it didn't matter, you know, how much milk was still in the bottle or how much formula was still in the bottle. Um, I remember my older son, Cal, he had these lips he would make when he'd had enough to eat. It was like he would stick out his lips and he wasn't going to eat any more. I would try to get him to eat some more because didn't, I didn't think he'd eaten enough. He was not going to eat any more. So that right there, you know, when you're born, you are in touch with your hunger and satiety signals. Now, if I fed him an entire bottle and he was still hungry. He would demand more. Some days he needed more than I had offered him. Some days he didn't want as much. And that was that's appetite correction. We're born with that. But we lose touch with it for many reasons. First of all, ultra-processed foods, they disconnect us completely from our hunger and satiety signals, but also eating all the time mm-hmm. and eating at regular mealtimes and eating until you finish your plate like your mama told you, you know, finish, clean your plate. You know, that teaches you to override your um, satiety signals. But with intermittent fasting, we really are able to tune back into them. And it's a miracle. Yeah, you know, the first time, like you said, when you have a, a big plate of food and you would like to keep eating it because it's delicious and you're like, oh, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. And you stop. It's It feels like magic.
0: It is magic. It is. I mean, my whole life, I always said I would never have a problem overeating if only I could stop eating <laughs> Right, And that took care of it beautifully. Now, I have a confession to make. I used to be one of those people that preached, (laughs) preached about the importance of breakfast. I used to work years ago in the weight loss industry. And, uh, you know, how could anyone skip breakfast? However, it's such a myth. And I'd like you to tell people... How the myth of breakfast is the most important meal of the day got started. Well, that's the best marketing campaign in history.
1: (laughs) And it was thanks to Kellogg's. Thank you, Kellogg's. They did some research. They funded it where they studied people and how they performed and what they did throughout the day. And they found that eating a really good breakfast was super important. And guess what breakfast was best? Was it eggs and protein. No, it was cereal. <laughs> so because of that, we've just, we, we've we been told breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And of course, I would say it is break fast because everyone does that it's just at a different time. <laughs> <laughs> right so I break fast in the afternoon that is my most important meal of the day but it's not in the morning. There's the myth the myth is that you have to break fast in the morning and you don't. And we also got that myth because of the um the misunderstanding about you know metabolism and I know everybody listening has probably heard you must eat six small meals a day to boost your metabolism mm-hmm. right? And say people are afraid, well, if I skip breakfast, my metabolism is going to shut down. <laughs> I'm just going to like be there at a zero level metabolism until I eat. That is not true. <laughs> our, actually, when we're fasting um and we're fasting clean throughout the fast, our metabolic rate actually goes up slightly. Um now, if, if you fasted f- you know for days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks, eventually it would go down. You know I, it, the the point where it would start to go down might be somewhere after. I don't know, it depends on the person, 36, 48. As you keep going, eventually your metabolism will will start to slow. But during our daily fast, it doesn't. Mm. Um, but the whole idea that you had to eat frequently to boost your metabolism is founded in some truth, but the, the it doesn't work out. Like, for example, if you eat, your metabolic rate does go up. That's a fact. But it doesn't go up the same amount of the food you just ate. So it's like it doesn't have a positive – like you're not – like let's say I'm just going to throw out some numbers. I'm not a calorie counter. But if I ate 300 calories of food right now, my metabolism would get a boost because it's got to process that food. But it's not going to get a boost equivalent to 300 calories. Right. So, yes, eating does raise your metabolism, but not enough to counteract the eating that you just did. Now,
0: as you're talking about all of this, it it reminds me of something that I have been very impressed with over the years of following you, and that is your devotion to honest research. Now, everybody, let me tell you something, and this is a real eye-opener. So many of the books that are written out there, so many of the reports, the blogs, you name it, that are written, that cite studies, if you take the time to go and actually read those studies more, not more often than not, but way too often you're going to find it happens a lot. The author has slanted that just kind of the way Kellogg's did with cereal. The author has slanted that to make it sound like he or she really knows what they're talking about. Where in fact that original study has nothing to do or the results were not even close to what that person said. You can be guaranteed that anything that Jen writes about in her books or talks about on this show or anywhere, it's founded in true research and nothing is ever misquoted. And I appreciate that so much. Well, thank you. And I'm not going to say I couldn't make a mistake. Well, Yeah, it could be something I interpreted
1: incorrectly. <laughs> well, yeah. And so, you know if, if 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 it's an error, it's because I, you know, interpreted incorrect interpreted incorrectly. But I never want to make a claim that you know, a lot of a lot of things they they make a lot of claims. like like we we don't really know. there's a lot of evidence or it seems like or this is what they found. but you can't make the, you know, cause and effect to the point that a lot of people do and i i have found that a lot you know as i'm researching i'll be reading something in a book and and it'll have a citation i'll go to that study like you said that is not what it said at all and I'm like mad when i see that so yeah. i don't want to be that kind there of there should right be off. a law against it
0: actually but i know there's not all right so now we're going to travel back in time to 2016 right. i hope i'm pronouncing okay. this correctly yoshinori osumi I don't know. That's close. He is <laughs> he won the Nobel Prize mm-hmm. in medicine for right. something called autophagy. Right. Talk to us about what autophagy is and why he so deserved to win the Nobel Prize. Well,
1: prior to that, everyone who talked about intermittent fasting ever, and I I had been Dabbling in intermittent fasting since 2009. I read everything there was about intermittent fasting, even when I wasn't successful with it from 2009 to 2014. And everything you read talked about how intermittent fasting was just a way to eat fewer calories. It's a way to eat less. And so I believed that because that's what everybody really thought. And suddenly in 2016, we were starting to realize, hmm, it wasn't just because we were eating fewer calories, there were benefits that were Completely unrelated to to calories and and health benefits and hormones, things were changing behind the scenes, and then this this prize was awarded for autophagy. None of us had ever heard the word autophagy before, in the and the none of us lay people had. I'm sure you know, some scientists knew about it, but not a lot. Like I don't think, you know, my husband is a PhD or you know, chemist. So I don't think he'd ever heard the word autophagy till I started talking about it. It wasn't on the tip of anyone's tongue. Let me just put it that way. Very few specialized people understood it. But suddenly, everyone in the intermittent fasting world is excited because guess what upregulates autophagy? Fasting. And it turns out that as we age, our, our bodies decrease levels of autophagy, and intermittent fasting ramps them back up again. Well, why do we care? What even is it? Well, autophagy is our body's cellular housekeeping system, really. And so think about, you know, all the junk you might have laying around in your garage or under your bed or in your closet or at the bottom of your junk drawer. You have a lot of stuff laying around. We Same in our bodies. We got a lot of junk laying around in our bodies, but our bodies are amazing machines and they can clear that extra junk out and turn it into new things. Well, that's what autophagy is. It's the way our bodies recycle old junky cell parts, proteins, that sort of thing. But we've got to have time to do it. And if we're constantly eating, then our body is really busy digesting and managing all the stuff coming in because we keep putting in new stuff. we keep putting in more and more new stuff. Our body has to deal with the new stuff coming in and can never get to the junky stuff. Like imagine that you had, you know, Uber Eats came to your house every 10 minutes with a new order. Are you ever going to be able to eat your leftovers that are in your fridge? No, because more stuff's coming in, coming in, coming in. So when we take a break from eating and we're in the fasted state, our body's like, all right, well, there's nothing coming in. I better look around and see what's here. Ooh, I'm going to break down these old junky cell parts. I'm going to make something new out of it. And so that's autophagy. Um, and so as we age, as I mentioned before, we tend to have decreased autophagy, which leads, leads to a lot of the degenerative issues that we face as we get older. But with intermittent fasting and increased autophagy, we can expect that
0: we should age better. Mm -hmm. We'll just find out as we go. (laughs) Age better and also help rebuild some cells and structures in your body that really need assistance. My neutrophil count, I think, is a perfect example.
1: Exactly. We hear people talk about scars disappearing. I mean, that sounds made up. It sounds like I'm making this up. Because what? A scar could disappear that you've had? Yes, I have heard from Multiple people and one person that the first time I ever heard about it, I was interviewing her for my my podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, Donna Doobie. Did you listen to her episode ever? I don't Do remember. I don't know. She was a nurse and um, I believe she was morbidly obese at one time and she lost a lot of weight with intermittent fasting. Um, but she had a C-section scar that was over 30 years old that was <laughs> thick and ropey, one of those thick ropey scars. It 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 like went away to the point that it just looked like a, a pencil line on her skin.
0: I'm, I'm checking. I'm, I'm Looking, <laughs> <laughs> looking I'm at your scar. Down at my belly as she's talking. She's looking. She's looking.
1: Now, am, am I promising you that everybody with a scar, your scar is going to disappear? No, <laughs> I'm not making that claim. But I have heard from multiple people that that is what happened to them. It sounds made up, but... Think about it. You got nothing coming in. Your body's got to break something down. They're like, well, all this scar tissue, I don't need it. Yeah. Breaks it down. Scar tissue. Do we have studies that show that? No. But anecdotally, we've, you know, we've we've got it. Scar so, tissue. Not making any promises, but that's just an example of some junky stuff you got laying around that your body didn't need, broke it down. Excess skin is another example. Dr. Jason Fung, um, he's the author of the obesity code. I know you know that. Your audience may not, but he's um he does fasting with his patients, and he is on record saying he's never had to refer one of his patients for skin surgery because think about it, all that excess skin. Do you, does your body want to have a lot of skin hanging off? No. So as you're losing weight and you're fasting, autophagy can work on that excess skin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For me, and so I mean, I don't have you know a lot of excess skin hanging off. I lost you know eighty pounds, and my body does. You would
0: never know. For me, skin tags improved. Right. Uh, you know, that's that's related to insulin levels. I, Did you know that? Oh, how interesting. Yep.
1: Yep. When, when someone has um, insulin resistance or hyperinsulinemia, high levels of insulin all the time, one of the symptoms of that is skin tags. And so when your insulin gets back good levels, your insulin resistance is correcting, skin tags
0: disappear. That's fascinating. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So obviously the nobel prize set the stage for a lot of people paying attention to autophagy for uh, yeah. learning how your body it's it's like having a robo vac in your system you know that just cuts, exactly yeah. this kind of goes around and <laughs> cleans things up <laughs> But you have to. and I think of it like upcycling though. That's you good. Know, you, we know what
1: upcycling is. That that I talked about that in um fast feast repeat. That's the example that I gave. You know, it's it's like taking something that you've got and turning it into something better. And
0: that's really what your body is doing. Right. So talk to us about some of the things that it helps. Um, maybe we can touch on metabolic flexibility a little bit or um Faster healing that intermittent fasting
1: helps with Mm -hmm, in general. mm -hmm. So many things. Let's just start with inflammation. Yes. You know, so many of us are going through life highly inflamed. um, And it can lead to so many things. It can lead to, you know, arthritis symptoms and pain, um, you know, autoimmune things. For me, it was seasonal allergies. Yeah, I had such bad seasonal allergies that I couldn't go outside here. And I, I live in Augusta, Georgia, and we get everything coated with yellow pollen and I could not go outside. And I was taking two different allergy medications a day. Well, with intermittent fasting, my inflammation is lowered so much that I no longer have seasonal allergies. Like, it's crazy. I haven't taken allergy medicine since 2016. And it's 2022. <laughs> and that sounds, I mean, they just got progressively worse over my adult years, but now gone. So that's just one example. So anything that can be related to higher inflammation, since intermittent fasting lowers inflammation, you can see improvements. It's just really remarkable. And it, it just varies from person to person. And whatever you're, you know, depending on the root cause, if it's inflammation, if it's, you know, insulin resistance, I mentioned that already hyperinsulinemia, high levels of circulating insulin, um, so many people have that these days and might not even know because we don't get our insulin tested um, regularly. But if you have, um, if you're type 2 diabetic or if you're on your way to that, then it's very likely you have high levels of insulin. Um, Have you ever heard, Lee, of um, the book, Why We Get Sick? Benjamin Bickman is the author of that book.
0: I have. I don't think I've read it. All
1: right. Well, he is he's a scientist and he connects so many different things to insulin resistance and high levels of insulin. And it's amazing how many different problems that we're facing as a society right now, our health problems have to do with high levels of circulating insulin all the time. So, intermittent fasting lowers our levels of insulin and anything that then was related to that high level of insulin is going to improve. Anybody who's listening, they're like, I've never heard of that. Especially if a doctor is listening and doesn't know, you have got to read Why We Get Sick by Benjamin Bickman, because then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. (laughs) And you might have an idea. I don't know. But so many people don't.
0: (laughs) Microbiome. Talk to us about the benefits for gut microbiome, because that's something that all of us who follow SCD deal with every single day.
1: Well, the period of digestive rest is is really important for our gut microbiome. Just like, you know, the rest of our bodies don't want to be digesting food and working 24-7, or neither does your gut. Periods of digestive rest are, are very helpful. So we've got some studies on time-restricted eating with mice. And so we found, for example, in the studies with mice, time-restricted eating leads to um, reduced gut permeability. You know, we don't want to have a leaky gut. Right. So we, it's, it's nice to, have, to not have that. Um, it also increases diversity in our gut. And we know that overall, when you're healthy, if you have a healthy gut, you would like it to be diverse. Um, it also tends to shift the population of, of your gut microbiome to one that's more associated with leanness versus one that's more associated with obesity. And so, you know, all those are are really good changes. We don't really know everything that's happening in the gut. I mean, your community, I'm sure, knows this. This is still like a, you know, the Wild West of medicine, the gut microbiome is, right? Right, right. (laughs) Because, you know, 10, 15 years ago is when we just started being able to sequence what lives in your gut microbiome. Before that, they were like, well, that's where the poop is. We don't really know, but something's (laughs) happening. We don't, right? We didn't know. (laughs) <laughs> but now they're able to really get in there and and figure out what you got going on and and oh this that you've got overgrowth of this leads to that and and so many it's it's really just like the the powerful frontier of of what's coming in
0: medicine and it's exciting it truly is it is brain mm-hmm. health is another one mm-hmm. that uh, Absolutely, both with microbiome and with uh, you know with intermittent fasting, it really helps your brain health. Yes,
1: it really does. Um, Dr. Mark Matson, he's a, a scientist who um, worked for Johns Hopkins University, and he actually just released a book. What's it? I've got it over there. The Intermittent Fasting Revolution. I had to look. <laughs> I just had him on my podcast, but he has been doing intermittent fasting personally since the '80s. Wow. But yeah, he's a neurological researcher. He works with, you know, all sorts of things, Alzheimer's, anything, you know, brain brain stuff, neurological stuff. And um, so he's a big believer in the power of intermittent fasting for brain health.
0: Oh, I'm going to have
1: to read that I mean, book. That sounds fascinating. You're going to have to. And I'm going to tell you about this. For anybody who's listening, here's who's really going to love his book. If you like to read medical journals and you understand that type of jargon because that's what he does he's he writes for medical journals so his book is very sciencey but it's legit I mean everything he says you know he's not just <laughs> You know, making stuff up because he's he's a hard researcher, so he understands how to both write scientific papers and interpret them. So you know that if he says something, it's it's you know he's got a good good scientific um, foundation for it. But it's really he um, has everything collected in that book with the health benefits of fasting. So anybody who's hearing me and wants to really hear the hard science, you've you got to get Dr. Mark Mattson's book. It just came out in February
0: of this year. Good information. Thank you so much. All right, let's see. Now, I'm a person, pretend, that says I could never do intermittent fasting. (laughs) I could never (laughs) skip breakfast. I could never go for 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours without eating. That's impossible. And is life even worth living if I can't eat during that time? What would you say to them? Well, I
1: would say they probably couldn't do it on day one, right? Because <laughs> day one, your body's not metabolically flexible. You're hangry. You're not going to be able to do it. But there's there's a saying, and I didn't make this saying up, but I absolutely love it. Whoever made it up, I, I don't know what the origin would be. But diets, you think about diets. We've all done diets. Diets are easy in contemplation but hard in execution, right? We all start a diet. We're like, this is going to be great. And we start doing it. Like, let's say you're doing a low calorie diet. You're going to eat 1200 calories a day. You start with your tiny little breakfast and your tiny little snacks, and you're eating this tiny amount of food all day long. And you're like, nothing could be easier than eating 1200 calories a day. But when you start doing it, your body fights back. And it is not easy. And you are like, you might lose some weight but now you're now you're really hangry on that low calorie diet where you're eating all day long then you start binging and you're like what's wrong with me well that's your body fighting back fasting on the other hand is the exact opposite it's hard in contemplation <laughs> but easy in execution it sounds like it's going to be so hard like how am i going to do it but interestingly once you're metabolically flexible you don't have those crashes that you had when you were eating frequently you're off that blood sugar roller coaster you know once you're the, you know someone who's eating that 1200 calorie a day diet where they're eating you know six small meals a day you eat that tiny little meal and then your blood sugar goes down and then your body's like hello i have no more fuel send some more down and then you put a little tiny meal in again so you're never quite getting enough food to fuel your body and because you keep putting it in Your body's not going to your fat stores. So that's how you end up with a slowed metabolism because your body is not well fueled. And then your metabolic rate slows down over time. Then when you're like, finally, like, I can't do this diet anymore, you gain all the weight back plus more. Mm -hmm. Well, with fasting, your body learns how to tap into your fat stores because you're fasting clean, your insulin levels go down. One thing about insulin, it's a fat storage hormone. When it goes down, your body's finally able to get into all those fat stores. Then during the fast, once you're metabolically flexible, your body has plenty to feast on. I mean, that is why that fat is there. And so you feel good and you're not starving because you are well-fueled. So that's the difference. With fasting, I know it sounds crazy, but you're actually better fueled during the day when you were trying to do a low calorie diet and
0: hangry all the time, or even but just you've got or even just a diet, diet where we you're eating all the time, like a lot of us on specific carbohydrate, you know. So because you're on that blood sugar roller
1: coaster, you just are, are going. Your body, you're not metabolically flexible. You're only going to be like a sugar burner, for example. You're only burning what you're putting in. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Jason Fung has a fantastic analogy. You've heard his freezer in the basement analogy, yes. I'll, I'll share it real quick with your audience. It's it's kind of like this, and it's um, if you have a refrigerator full of food in your kitchen, and then you have a freezer in your basement that has backup food, where are you going to make your dinner from? You're going to get your dinner from the fridge that's there in your kitchen. You're not going to go all the way down to that dark basement and start digging through your freezer, okay? But if the refrigerator was empty, nothing there you're like, okay, I guess I'll go down and see what I've got in the freezer. Well, that's your body. Your freezer down in the basement is your fat stores, fully stocked. But if you keep the fridge stocked, that's when you're eating frequently drunk during the day, you're never going to go down to that basement freezer and tap into your fat stores.
0: Mm-hmm. It just it makes perfect sense. It is such a great analogy. I'm glad you I'm it glad really you reminded is. me of that one. I remember enjoying it when I first read it. So yeah, now someone is thinking, well, you know, I would really like to try intermittent fasting for the health benefits, but I don't mm-hmm. want to lose any weight. I really can't afford to lose any weight. Can I still do it? And if so, how? Well, that
1: would be like, you know, Dr. Mark Mattson. He doesn't do it for weight loss, never did. And my husband, Chad, he never needed to lose any weight. He is one of those annoying people who... (laughs) he could still fit into we've been married since 1991 and he could still fit into the pants that he wore on our wedding day like you know 30 years later right actually i think they're probably too big now because he he does do intermittent fasting he did get a little bit leaner but then you stop i mean you don't just like keep losing forever until you like are you know bones your body knows your body knows where to your body yeah you read You reach homeostasis, it also increases your appetite. So you're not going to keep losing to a point where you're you're unhealthy or your body doesn't want to do that. But he has, you know, loose 16-8 approach, meaning he fasts for about 16 hours of the day and concentrates all of his food into an eating window of about eight hours. So he eats, he doesn't eat breakfast in the morning. He has lunch. And then he has a snack before dinner, and then he has dinner, and then he closes his window, and that's it. So he's not losing weight. He's not gaining weight. He's just... perfect balance he eats what's what's right for him and his appetite lets him know like some days he comes home and he's like eating all the peanuts he's like I'm really hungry when's dinner gonna be ready you know his body is telling him he needs to eat more food um, some days he do, he doesn't want that snack so he really is great at listening to his body and knowing when he, he needs to eat more but anyone who doesn't need to lose weight intermittent fasting is, is like I said it's the health plan with a side effect of weight loss, if you need to lose weight, I, I added that little second part on there. If you don't need to lose weight, that doesn't mean that it's not great for you. Because I really would like people to stop thinking of intermittent fasting as a weight loss diet. Because first of all, it's not a diet. A diet is what you eat. Mm-hmm. Intermittent fasting is when you eat. So it doesn't meet the definition of, of being a diet.
0: Now, one thing I find fascinating, and I learned it from you, is that in, you'll read There's so much written out there about autophagy and about what works and what doesn't, and oh my gosh, you could drive yourself crazy. But you read that if you don't fast for X number of hours and blah, 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 you're not really going to get the benefits of autophagy. However, if you are a consistent intermittent faster, it kind of in your body builds up over time, Yes. Well that
1: that's the crazy part of it. Let's think about that logically like the body, the way the body works. Because yeah, you do hear people saying things like you must fast for 72 hours to have increased autophagy. Do you think the body would have an amazing process that is like helps us to stay you know, healthy and cleans up the junk and would require us to fast for 72 hours? Because who and what what humans ever purposefully were fasting that long? No, our body is not going to have these amazing mechanisms and then require you to fast for that long to have them. We're supposed to be able to have autophagy ongoing as needed. It's a process that breaks down. We have decreased autophagy as we get older, but that's just because of of the way we're living. So it doesn't make sense that we would have to fast for a long, long, long period of time to have increased autophagy. And, and actually autophagy is going on in the background of our bodies. Even someone who is not doing intermittent fasting, you've got autophagy going on. It just is decreased. We We want it to be increased. So when someone says you do not have autophagy unless you fast for X hours, that's somebody who doesn't understand autophagy at all. Thank you. Because Everybody's got autophagy. Thank you. <laughs> going on. We just want to have increased autophagy. And so, um, also, exercise increases autophagy. Drinking black coffee increases autophagy. So, it's not linked to here's the period of the fast when autophagy starts. No. Anybody who says autophagy starts at 24 hours does not understand autophagy. And I'd be very, very suspicious of anything else they're telling you.
0: Good. Thank you. I I appreciate you
1: clarifying that. Now, (laughs) and if you see a graphic, can I just point this out? If you see a graphic that says, here's what happens at hour 12, at hour whatever, run away. Oh, I've seen that thing. Oh, it makes people use when I, it's like, when I had a Facebook group, people would be sharing that all the time. Yeah, And And there was original, the original version was handwritten on notebook paper. And it was like a photo of that. And people would share that all over. Then someone made like pretty graphics out of it. It was still bad.
0: Yeah. And it, it just, just so those people, just so people can recognize it if they see it, it, it kind of breaks down at this hour, this happens, at this hour, that happens. Yeah. And it's, oh, and one of them says like insulin is no longer produced. I'm like, that is not how the body works at
1: all. Yeah. Thank you. We never have, we never have zero insulin. I mean, hello, <laughs> unless you have like type one diabetes. Mm. So, right. I don't know who made that? But people take it and run with it. They, they, people want, to have like an easy like here it here it is you know like intermittent fasting what happens for dummies that is not how our bodies work our bodies are not like oh it's hour twelve guess I'll do this now uh uh-uh. uh it depends on so many individual factors
0: I am going to go to my Facebook page just for a minute because I did oh I did ask people there if they had questions for you and okay. then I really want to talk about cleaners so we have to make sure we get to that but all right I'd like to just go into these questions. There aren't a lot, but they're good ones. Actually, one person has a whole list. This is Nat Nat. And uh, he or she asks, well, we already answered a lot of them. What effect does fasting have on the microbiome? What length of fasting Mm -hmm. is best for gut health? yeah, we don't know that. We, know we that. can't tell you an answer uh, to that.
1: That that would be I'd be making it up if I
0: told you something. This you and may not, not know. This might be something for an expert in uh gastrointestinal disease, but is it good to fast if you are in a flare?
1: You know, I don't know, but I would have a hunch that yes. I I would feel like digestive rest
0: would probably be helpful in a flare. But I as I said, I don't guess. Hey, that, that, that reminds me. Have you read Stanley Tucci's book, Taste? No. Okay, I have not read that one yet. Okay, it's there's a fascinating. Well, the whole book is wonderful. I really enjoyed it, and to hear him narrate it, I was in. Write it down. He's just got the greatest voice. But he unfortunately developed cancer, and had to go on tube feeding. Wow! And before that happened, he was diagnosed with gluten intolerance, and after. All was said and done. Thank goodness that has a happy ending. Sorry, spoiler alert, but there's a lot more to the book than that. He's now able to eat what he wasn't able to eat previously. I believe it, his gut And they told, exactly, they told him it's because his gut was absolutely in a healing state as he was going through Mm -hmm. all of that. So, uh, Yeah, I'm not surprised. So is it good to fast if you're in a flare check with your doctor, but I think your instincts might be right I think that it Yeah, the, that's you well, you know, animals instinctively fast when they're sick. Right.
1: And,
0: and I was in a flare a when lot of I us started lose our intermittent appetite. fasting. I mm-hmm. was having trouble uh with leaky gut reappearing and all kinds of stuff right. going on. Who shouldn't fast? And please don't take what I'm saying as medical advice. Oh, yeah. me too, everybody. <laughs> and don't worry, I have that I have that disclaimer at the beginning and the end of the podcast. Good. Oh, uh, we answered who shouldn't fast. What can you drink on a fast that won't break? we answered that.
1: Um, and I want to get back to that real quick, just because you, if you go to like YouTube or Google or even read like almost every other intermittent fasting book out there, you're going to get information that conflicts with mine. But if you're not sure, like people will say, oh, you can put 50 calories and you didn't have cream in there. Or, oh, you can have, you know, put butter in your MCT coffee or whatever. Oil. Yeah, that's magical fat that you could just put in there and your body. I, don't know, I don't know. like Like... No, <laughs> you don't want to put in any energy into your body because would you rather burn the fat from your body or the fat from your coffee cup? So keep that in mind. So if anybody's wondering exactly why is Jen saying not to have, you know, putting anything in your coffee when I heard on YouTube that you could and I did it and it was fine and it worked for me. Read fast, feast, repeat. I have all the science backing up why. I mean, I could go into it, but it, it would take a few minutes. But all the science as to why you want to stick to black coffee, plain tea, plain water, sparkling water, nothing added, no flavors. Don't have your hazelnut coffee or your apple cinnamon delight herbal tea. You don't want to have all these tastes coming in because your brain associates that with with food and calories and sugar, even artificial sweeteners. You don't put anything in there at all. Um, but it's all in fast, feast, repeat. You need to get it and read the section on the clean fast. The the science is in there as for why. And if you still don't believe me, you're like, I don't believe you, Jen. I think you're wrong. I challenge everyone to take the clean fast challenge and try yes. it. Fast my way for one month. Give yourself one month. You can do it. And then see if you're a believer or not. And and you will be. I've never heard anybody say they tried it my way for a month and then went back to the old way and and liked it better. You will realize that you're actually making it harder for yourself. You may think that butter in your coffee is making it easier, but it's not.
0: I was one of those MCT oil people way, 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 way back in the very beginning. Yeah, me too. I tried that could when I I out. you know. I could not figure out why I kept getting hungry. You know, I was supposed to. The minute I stopped that. And to this day, I know know. if I've done something to blow my, my intermittent fasting for that day, because I will get hungry where normally I don't. Yeah. It just, it just happens.
1: It's really remarkable. So anybody who thinks it's helping you, I challenge you to try it without it. And you might have an adjustment period. You might feel really bad for, you know, a couple of weeks because your body is used to that fuel from the MCT oil. Your body has not been making ketones from your body fat. Your body's been making ketones from your MCT oil. Mm-hmm. You need to retrain your body to tap into
0: your fat stores. The next question is and this is the last one from the Facebook page. It's from Tony okay. Marie. Hi Tony. I know Tony. Hello Tony. Um Hi Tony. And this is about weight loss. So We're going to just go that way for a second. I have seen people go way overboard with fasting. Many are. I agree with you, Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) Many are attempting to achieve a desired weight and seem to go further and further extremes with fasting to maintain it. Once they stop fasting, it seems they gain back all the weight and more. My question is, can some people become addicted to fasting or obsessed with it?
1: I would bet what Tony is talking about is extended fasting, Uh where people are fasting. I call it over-fasting. And there's a whole community out there that believes that there's no such thing as too much fasting, and that is not true. And so anybody who starts to to go overboard, like I don't recommend that you do any fasts longer than an alternate daily fasting pattern regularly an alternate and talk about all of these in fast feast repeat alternate daily fasting would be it's a very well researched um approach where like the simplest form of it would be monday you don't eat tuesday you just eat quote normally like breakfast lunch dinner wednesday you don't eat thursday you eat normally breakfast lunch dinner So those are down days when you're not eating, up days where you're eating. And on the research on alternate daily fasting, they found that the participants on their up days when they were eating ate about, I don't know, 125% of their body's caloric needs. So they were slightly overeating on the up days. That is what was protective of their metabolism. So they would fast on, on the down days, and that's when they would really burn the fat. And then on the up days, they would eat slightly more than their bodies needed. And their bodies were like, all right, we're not in star starvation mode, we got no problems. And they were able to stay on that pattern indefinitely, that is not over fasting. But if someone's like doing a 48 hour fast, and then they eat one meal, and then they do another 48 hour fast, and they might eat two meals, and then they're really hungry. Now, that that's not what, what we recommend. So you know, anybody who's doing like 72 hour fast, like we We've seen people who are like, I do one seventy-two hour fast every week. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah. That is too much for your body. You know, I can't tell you what is too much for your body. But being in the intermittent fasting community for so long, I have seen it. So my um, feeling about extended fasting has come from seeing people overdo it. Back in the early days, you know, back to the Wild West again, the Wild West of intermittent fasting when we didn't really know what we were doing you know there were people that would be in the in the facebook community they're like i'm going to fast for 21 days and we were like all right see what you can do i mean we didn't know so they would fast for 21 days they would lose a ton of weight they felt so successful then they started eating again they started to binge they they started to feel like what's wrong with me why am i binging i just did this great fast and i'm gaining all my weight back well, that's because we know, and I talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, the research on over-restriction of, of not having enough to eat over time, um, the Minnesota starvation experiment they did after World War II, and they found that when people were in a, a restricted state, the body like starts telling you, eat, 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 and that's where the binge behavior comes in. So the way that I do intermittent fasting, you know, I eat every day and I, I nourish my body well, I don't get the signal to binge. I haven't lost below a healthy weight for me. I'm not like, quote, addicted to fasting. I just, I fast and then I eat well. I eat food that's delicious. And then the next day, I mean, it just, it keeps going. I fast, I feast, repeat. You don't want to over fast. So if you've known people who have struggled like that, you may be one of them yourself. You might be like, well, I thought it was okay to fast for 72 hours once a week. It really, you know, your body is letting you know when it starts to feel bad and you start getting the urge to binge, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. So um, all of this is in fast, feast, repeat. And you know, we do have research on what happens to our bodies during one 72-hour fast. I'm not saying no one should ever do a 72-hour fast. It's It's great for health benefits. And there are actually fasting clinics that people can go to if they've got certain health conditions. And maybe they are going to be guided medically through a 21-day fast, but not for weight loss. It's for that health condition, maybe, you know, certain cancers, that sort of thing, guided by a doctor who is monitoring you. No one should ever try to do this on their own. Do not, do not. (laughs) Don't fast for more than 72 hours unless you're working directly with a doctor. Um, But the research that we do have on 72-hour fasts and, and I'm, I'm assuming that, that this was done with people who were not regular fasters, but they like took these people, this is a, a while back, and they are like, all right, we're going to follow you for 72 hours and see what happens in your body. And so they, the metabolic rate is one thing that they tracked. So everyone had a baseline metabolic rate. And then as the fast went on, the metabolic rate went up over the fast. Then it reached a peak at a certain time, which is, you know, going to be different for everybody, but they, you know, average, it reached a peak. Then it started to go back down. So by the time they got to hour 72, the metabolic rate was still higher than it had been at baseline when they started, but it was on a downward trajectory. Mm -hmm. So our bodies are not stupid. They're not going to keep, you know, using fuel at the same rate if nothing is coming in. Right. Right. So with daily intermittent fasting, we capitalize on that part where we're on the upswing, and we never get to the part of the fast where we're in the downswing. Mm-hmm. And if but if you're over fasting, you're gonna you're gonna eventually lower your metabolic rate, and then your body is going to send you that that help or starving
0: signal, Definitely. and that's when when you crash and burn. Right. Uh, you know, for a lot of people, myself included, especially if you feel overwhelmed trying intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting at the beginning, a lot of us just start out with a 12 hour fast. And, you know, if I stop eating at eight o'clock at night, 12 hours is eight o'clock the next morning. It's not. And then eventually, you, you know, you feel so good that it you inspires you to maybe oh maybe today I'll try 14 hours or 13 hours or whatever but it it doesn't have to be a daunting experience you know we're talking about exactly the, the amount of time that people might fast but there's also a way that you don't have to do a lot and you just slowly ease your way into finding finding the benefits
1: Oh, and in Fast Feast Repeat, there's there's a quiz you can take and you can decide how to ease yourself in. Maybe you're a rip the Band-Aid off kind of person, but there's a plan and maybe you really need to ease in. But you you choose a plan of how you would like to get started. And you can change from plan to plan at any time. But it's based on yourself and whether you're a rip off the Band-Aid or you need to ease in a little yeah, bit more. Because But there's nothing wrong with that, with easing in. Yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you. So I'm just going to put this aside for a minute because... Okay. I have to talk about your latest book. It is called Cleanish. Eat mostly clean, live mainly clean, and unlock your body's natural ability to self-clean. I right. have to say, if I were to retitle this book, which I would never do because this is a fabulous title, I would call it every step in the right direction is a step in the right direction. But good. Yeah. I, I love really that. is what it talks about it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. do you mind if I quote from your book? Oh, Oh, please do. All right. So... A lot of us. And by the way,
1: this is not an intermittent fasting book. And apparently, I I don't read the negative reviews on Amazon because it upsets me. But I was reading. I like to read what people say that's nice. I like to read the five-star reviews. I was reading the other day and someone's like, for all of you saying there's not enough about intermittent fasting in this book, that is not what this book is. (laughs) No, it's It's not not an intermittent fasting book. You you do. Although intermittent fasting is one of your body's self-cleaning mechanisms. Yes. This book is not about intermittent fasting. You do
0: touch on it. But no, it's not. It's not intermittent all yeah now those of us in the specific carbohydrate diet community we're, you, you are
1: talking to Am us I preaching to the choir you, or is you, that what you are
0: is? really you are talking to us in the most beautiful way and people are going to love this why get cleanish as a part of my personal health and wellness journey i have gradually cleaned up what i eat based on how foods make me feel and i have discovered that the better my nutritional choices the better i feel feeling good is a powerful motivator indeed now that is exactly what guides us all through when we're on the specific carbohydrate diet right. you know people that mm-hmm. go from barely i mean i could barely walk when before i was diagnosed with all the stuff that i had going on to feeling better There's your motivation. There's your incentive. Now, exactly a lot, boy, people, if you want to buy a book that you just leave around, and maybe your friends and family will notice it and pick it up and read it and understand a little bit more about what you're going through with the changes you've made with SCD, this is a great book. And it also is a strong proponent for never try to force someone to see things and do things the way that you think they should be done, you know, kind of ease people into it. So we know a lot about healthy eating, uh, those of us on the specific carbohydrate diet, we know about the dangers of processed foods, sugars, and all of that the book talks about it it is it talks about it so beautifully that even though you, you might know about it if you're trying to explain what you're doing to someone else this will give you the verbiage that you can use and it it it's this is why i had you on the show jen instead of a doctor to talk about intermittent fasting because you're just a normal person who talks like the rest well, of I us in you know <laughs> so when you read i'm this, a teacher exactly <laughs> <laughs> when you read this, yeah. it's like, oh, that's the way I can phrase it, or that's the way I can do right. it. But then it goes even further into also improving your household and your mm-hmm. uh, environment. The live part. Anything yeah. that goes on your That's skin. so important. It mm-hmm. was so, so very important. And again, because making the food adjustments that we've made help us feel better, Many of us go on to be inspired to make other adjustments in our life.
1: and, and you know, it, I, I tell the story in the introduction. I know you read it with with my son, Will, and when he was a toddler and he had all sorts of gut issues and we had to change his diet, but also the chemicals we used around the house because he was sensitive to chemicals. But, you know, looking back, I didn't know it was his gut, but now that is my hunch because he would also have you know, like foamy diarrhea. I, was sh- I assume I can talk about foamy you diarrhea. You can talk Anna. about
0: poop here as much as you want.
1: <laughs> okay, well. He would have horrible tantrums that were often linked to foamy diarrhea. And I'm like, we didn't understand the gut, though. I mean, it was like 2002. I mean, we didn't know back then what was going on. Um, but changing his diet made a huge difference. But also the chemicals we used in the house. I had to change, you know, the shampoo I used on him. I had to change the toothpaste and the lotion and, you know, the counter spray I used in the kitchen. He responded poorly to all of those Um, all of those chemicals. And so he was like the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. And and so many of us, I, I, the, the analogy I heard back then was you know, the bucket effect. And I talk about this in Cleanish as well. Every one of us has a bucket. And I think our gut microbiome is a big player in how big our our bucket is right if you've got a a gut that's not functioning well you probably have a tiny little bucket but that's how much toxins your body can hold is your bucket right think about it like that so as you're putting in toxins from foods just from living in the environment you get in an uber the guy has too much cologne on there stuff's coming in i mean stuff's coming at you all the time you can't control it because we don't live in a bubble but once your bucket is full That's when it starts to overflow. And that's when you have like the seasonal allergies that I had or the tantrums that he had or whatever it looks like for you. So our goal is to lower the level in our personal toxin bucket, our, our personal toxic load. Lower the level in your bucket. And the two ways we do it, number one, we put less in. With with what we're eating, what we're putting on our skin, what we're inhaling, and we also support our body cleaning it out, clearing it out. Nutrition is very important because all those phytochemicals that are in these foods that we eat they they support your liver function, for example, and that's one of your you know powerful. Your your body's got to do that. That's how your body detoxes, your liver, your kidneys, your skin. So you want to support all those processes going on. And then things like intermittent fasting also helps your body clear out those those toxins. So we control what we put in the best we can. And we also help our body support it, taking the things out. You know, probably everyone listening knows someone who um, has kidney disease these days and maybe has to go to dialysis. Yeah, you know, that's a function of too much that our bodies can't process. Yeah. So, you know, their bodies can't take out what needs to be taken out. To, over time, your kidneys just wear out. You're like, why are so many people on dialysis now all of a sudden? Why is every strip mall in America full of a dialysis center? Right? That's new. Yeah, it is. It's because so much more is coming in than our bodies can process. And eventually... Our bodies, our body parts wear out. Our kidneys, like I give up, forget it, I can't do it, or like our, our pancreas, and you know, then someone now is type two diabetic, and now all of a sudden their pancreas is shot, and they're having that. That's a function of you know high insulin over time. It's not not the same as the toxins, not to make people get confused there. But all of these diseases are because we're overworking our our body parts in a way that they can't. Um, can't manage it. Intermittent fasting helps our pancreas because it's not pumping out insulin all day long. Doesn't get overworked with that. Um, watching what we put in, doing the intermittent fasting helps our kidneys. They're not having to work as hard. So all of these things, all these steps you can take are just going to help you be healthier and help us fight these modern lifestyle um, diseases that that are plaguing us.
0: And you give such good information in the book as to why things work and why things don't. I mean that right. great information that I I actually I've read a couple of chapters two or three times already. A, a big, big eye opener for me was um, e- talk to us about EWG.
1: All right, the environmental working group. They're a group of a group of scientists and they they basically have a wonderful app. Uh, if you go to um, you know the App Store and search for Environmental Working Group, they have a wonderful app. They research products, foods, all sorts of things, and you can look them up in their database. Their website is even better if you're actually on their Environmental Working Group website. But they they're like a, a consumer watchdog group, and so you know they they're um, looking at you know bottled waters, for example, or you know what cleaning spray you use in your kitchen. And so they they really they have a whole lot of information on their website about all of these issues that face us in society, like, you know, mercury in your fish and things you might never have thought of before. Like some of these forever chemicals that are, you know, in our bodies now. You know, like babies are born with, you know, all these chemicals in their cord blood now. Mm-hmm. You know, these chemicals are getting into our babies through the moms because the moms can't help it either. You know, even, you know, if you try really hard, you're still exposed to things in the environment. We're passing those on to our kids. So they're born with a partially filled bucket Mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, look at the explosion and things that, that children have, like eczema. Like how many kids did you know with eczema when we were little? Nobody? yeah or all all the all the problems that are you know I was a teacher for 28 years I started teaching in 1990 and then I retired in in 2018 but children's health went downhill dramatically over my teaching career in in any way you could think of and and it's it's what we're doing you know will like I said was the canary in the coal mine but I didn't learn about any of that I'd been already teaching for over 10 years before I had any idea that, you know, what you fed your kids might affect their behavior. Huh, I didn't know that. <laughs> we all just think sugar and hyperactivity. Like, we all think that's it. Oh, he ate too much sugar. He's just hyper from that. It's really, you know, these chemicals do so many things in our bodies. And it's just, once you start going down the rabbit hole, you know, I like to tell my community, you know, ignorance is bliss. But knowledge is power. Yeah. Right. Because some of them started reading cleanish and they're like, oh, my God, this is too much. Now I can't do anything. I'm like paralyzed by fear. And like, well, stop. Because all that stuff was true before you read it. Now you know about. Right. So even though ignorance was bliss, it wasn't helping you to not know. So now you know, maybe it's freaking you out a little bit, but knowledge is power. And notice the title of the book is clean-ish, because I'm not going to insist that you you know, replace everything with with something brand new, you know, like, tomorrow, everyone must use natural deodorant, right? No, <laughs> you pick and choose. And as you read the book, you know, I guide you towards writing your own definition of cleanish eating, and your own definition of cleanish living. So by the time you get to the end, you might be like, okay, I'm never going to have artificial sweeteners ever again, that is on my personal never list. Or I am never going to cook in a Teflon coated pan ever again. That is on my personal never list because there are substitutes. There are things I would rather rather have. And so you're you're figuring out what you're picking and choosing and creating your
0: own definition. You leave empowered if you can get through the scary part. <laughs> you know, and at the end you actually have people refocus on Everything right. in the book, so there's a recap there. It, it's just wonderful, and as you look at it's it, the teacher in me coming oh, out in book form. It's just wonderful. <laughs> it's just wonderful. So, thank you. Um, one quick thing I want to touch on: okay. a lot of a lot of us who do the specific carbohydrate diet also try to do organic whenever possible. Right. Sometimes, yes. sometimes people don't. A lot of us know about this already, but for those who don't, just give us a brief recap of the um Why organic the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So if you're oh, okay. if you're going That's- to if mm-hmm. you're going to go organic with produce, um, the dirty dozen right. is so- yeah. That's
1: that's also the environmental working group. Probably most people have heard of the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, and you may not have known the environmental working group that we were just talking about is the group that puts that out. So what they do is they, every year the list changes. So I can't, you know, I could tell you what it is right now, but next year it's going to look a little different. So they look at all the produce that's out there, they analyze it. And they figure out, you know, which which produce out in the grocery store is the most tainted with pesticides. That's the dirty dozen. You want to avoid those in the standard form and always choose organic forms of those. Versus the Clean 15, those are the ones that have the least amount of residual pesticides. And so, you know, if you can't afford organic, conventional would be better. Now, the caveat is, if you can't afford organic anything... <laughs> You know, a, a standard, standard produce is still going to be better than ultra-processed right. foods, no matter what. Right. So, you know, organic cookies are not better than <laughs> conventional apples, <laughs> okay? <laughs> oh, I'm going to eat these organic cookies <laughs> because I can't afford... You know, organic apples. No, a standard apple is still going to be a better choice than an organic cookie. Although I do love cookies. And in intermittent fasting, I could eat them if I
0: want to during my eating window. Um, for those who might be interested... Oh, actually, you quote the Dirty Dozen for 2021. So we would need to revisit that and see what they're saying. Yeah, that's when I
1: wrote it. I wrote it in 2021.
0: But uh, (laughs) it is definitely something, you know, go to the EWG website and look that up because it's a great piece of information. And you might just find that if you've been buying organic bananas, you you may not have to focus on that. You might want to focus on buying organic strawberries instead so exactly and i don't think the 2022 list is out yet i think it comes out mid-year okay i could be wrong okay
1: because i remember when i was writing cleanish like i remember when the new list came out and it was already in the middle of the year okay
0: well everyone the dirty dozen strawberries spinach kale collard greens and mustard greens nectarines apples grapes cherries peaches Pears, bell and hot peppers, celery, and tomatoes. If at all possible, if you can buy those, it organic. Get organic. Do it. Yeah.
1: And it's so there's so many ways to make it affordable these days. You know, frozen organic produce is is a great option. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're cooking with it, get your canned, canned. Organic well, not canned tomatoes. for us,
0: unfortunately. But oh, you can't do it. But if can. it's frozen Sorry. with no additional ingredients okay. and absolutely right. SCD legal, frozen is okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so thank you for that. What should I have asked you that I didn't? I don't know. You really thought you got to everything. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it once all of you read Fast Feast, Repeat, and Cleanish, you're going to realize I did not get to
1: everything. No, you didn't. You hit the high points, <laughs> you hit the high points. So,
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited. I, I really hope that people have been enlightened and that they will let me know if they try intermittent fasting or in cleanish, you know, when you read it, let me know how it helped change your life. I thought I knew so much before I read cleanish. Guess what? Well, I'm glad I had that a, I lot you a lot to learn. Yeah, it was great. Good, it was great. Good. And uh, I say this a lot to guests, but I mean it so profoundly. I would love to have you back on the show again sometime. Sure, you know, I could hardly wait to see what to. your next book is going to be. So I have, I don't I have know, a reason to give you a call. That. But uh, <laughs> I, I have no doubt you've helped a lot of people by being here today, and I thank, thank you, you. Thank and yet, you. And you could
1: gather some questions from your community for next time, and we could dig even deeper. That would be
0: wonderful. Let's let's yeah. think about that. I, I bet they I bet right. they will come up with more than a few. Take care, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Everyone, if you have yet to do so, you owe it to yourself before the end of the day to go to beautycounter.com slash Bernstein. That's B-E-A-U-T-Y-C-O-U-N-T-E-R dot com slash L-E-E-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. I'll put that in the show notes as well. I don't know if you're aware, but in Europe, they have banned a lot of products in body care and skin care beauty counter takes that very seriously. These, a lot of these ingredients are still allowed in the United States. Beauty counter has over 1,800 ingredients that they never use in their formulations. They call it the never list. You can look that up at the website. They go above and beyond to screen every ingredient against their high standards in the pursuit of clean beauty, clean body care. I have used so many of their products at this point. Their shampoo and conditioner is wonderful. And knowing that it's gluten-free, if it happens to get in my mouth, my eyes, up my nose, whatever, I I can be assured that I'm going to be safe. The thing that I love about Beauty Counter is that they take the best of natural ingredients. And not all chemicals are bad for you. They do use some chemicals, but those chemicals have been deemed very safe. And they combine them to give you products that really work. So if you have purchased skincare products in the past that are, quote, 100% natural, or even if you make your own products, and they don't do the wonderful job that some of the -the over-the-counter products can do, Beauty Counter does it. Beauty Counter delivers it. Check it out. You know what? Just try one product And if you're not impressed, they will give you your money back 100%. If you have any questions about anything they offer, just write to me. I'm happy to help. Again, by the end of the day, you owe it to yourself. Beautycounter.com slash Lee Bernstein. Thanks. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find me, Lee Bernstein, through my website at scd4me.com, mecom is F-O-R. There's also links to other social media sites there if you'd like to connect with me on those. If you have questions, comments, suggestions for future shows, or if you have an SCD success story to share, write to me at LeeBernstein at scd4me.com. A reminder, I am not an SCD expert. Nothing on this show is ever intended as medical advice. Everybody's different. If you have questions about you and your body, always speak to your medical profession. In the meantime, I hope you'll always listen to your gut. I hope you'll stay happy, be well, and always be open to being everything life means for you to be. Take care.